God is good. And all the time. You may be seated. Thank you very, very much. Thank the Lord for His being with us today. He promised He would. It shouldn't be a surprise. However, let it be a surprise and let the people rejoice in the Lord and give glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am happy that you are here. I am happy that we are here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to worship and to receive from the Lord what He has for us. I often say that, and sometimes I think to myself, what does that really mean? Well, at the moment, I can't tell you. Maybe a little bit later, I could tell you what it meant. But we don't know what the Lord has for us, so let's open our hearts. Receive from Him what He has for us. Praise the Lord. Let us worship the Lord. I want to make a couple of announcements here this morning um, before we go into service. You want to remember Wednesday night Bible study, of course, 7 o'clock. You can be here for that. And uh, September 4th will be the ladies' meeting um, here at the church at 5 o'clock. So that's coming up. And then also the Heartland uh, ladies' meeting is October 1st. So remember to get an application if you haven't signed up and get your rooms by September 1st, which is just about here. So you need to make that call if you have not, ladies. Um, and that's in Branson, Missouri. So if you're interested in that need more information, you can ask Lisa about it and she'll get you all squared away. So um, last night we had a great men's meeting. So good that we wore Everett out and he couldn't be here this morning. But uh, <laughs> he had to work a double shift today, so he wasn't here. But uh, we had we did have a good meeting, talked about faith and building our faith um, and enjoyed some okay food. Since he's not here, we'll just say it was okay. <laughs> Judy won't tell him that. No, we had good food. The cookies were great, so <laughs> store-bought. But... Uh, does anybody have any announcements? Anything we've missed? No? Nothing? All right. Um, we're going to talk for a minute on uh, uh, generosity again. Um, and I think I mentioned last week we'd talk about uh, sowing and reaping today. So we're going to start in 2 Corinthians in uh, verse uh, 6 through 8 in chapter 9. It says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you, you will abound in every good work. So, um, when it comes to our giving, um, there's, there's a couple different principles we can take um, out of this scripture based on that Second uh, Corinthians scripture. And one of those principles is harvest. Um, what you sow, you're going to reap. So if it's for good or bad, either way, you're going to reap what, what we sow. Um, um, and what, what we're planting, in other words, is what we're going to harvest. So it can be true about finances, but it can also be true about everything else in our lives. So if we sow criticism, we're going to reap criticism um, if you sow gossip, guess what? You're going to reap gossip. 
Um, if you plant resentment, people uh, will resent you. Do you need some confidence in your life? Um, begin complimenting other people. Whatever it is, if you give it away, you'll get more back. It's kind of funny. Think about energy and exercising. When you give away that energy, later on you will actually be building and getting more energy back. Your energy will build over time. So as you give that away, I know we don't like to think about exercise. I mentioned what a diet a while back and now exercise. So <laughs> we don't want to think about those things. But it does work that way. If you think about it, what we give out comes back to us. Um, if you need affirmation in your life, begin um, sharing that with other people, affirming them, right? Um, the second principle, oh, no, wait, wait a second. Let's go back, and let's talk about corn, planting corn. If you think about it, you plant a kernel of corn in the ground, do you get one kernel back? No. See, I planted some corn before over the years, and so no, you, you get a plant that comes up and has some ears of corn on it, right, and it has thousands, thousands of kernels come back to you. Um, if you plant the, the apple tree, you don't get one apple when it grows. You get hundreds of apples. So we're always going to get back more than what we put in. So that's a good good principle of reaping and sowing. A second principle, though, is usually there is a delay between the planting and the harvest, if you think about it. When you plant that seed in the ground, you don't get the plant right back, right away. It takes some time. You don't get your corn the next day. You plant one season, you harvest in another. And that can be true in, in a, our giving as well. You give to people, you give to God, um, you give your, your life away, but you don't always res, res, reap the results the next day. There's that season of waiting, that season that we don't like, right, between uh, the giving away and the harvesting. During that time, God's kind of seeing um, your faith He's kind of testing it to see if you'll trust him, even though you're in that delay, right? Even though you're in that hard time. The hard time's always that waiting. But while we're planting and waiting, we can always trust God. He's going to provide the grace that we need. And so like the verse said, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So that's just a couple principles that we need to remember. First, we reap what we sow. And then when we plant in one season, you're usually going to have to wait to harvest in another so if we can learn those principles, apply them to our lives, um, we will begin to have so much more joy in giving, right, and in waiting. Waiting sometimes just to see what God's going to do. It can actually be a time of excitement instead of a time of worry. God, what are you going to do? Um, a few questions that, that I'll leave you with just to think about for yourself. How are you sowing generously? In what areas are you sowing sparingly? What keeps you from trusting God when he delays your harvest? And what can you do while you're waiting on results from your giving? So some questions to take with you. Um, and we're going to kind of move right into this, uh, this generosity. It does tie in with offerings. Great. But today we're going to go straight, straight into actually taking up the offering. And we're going to change what it says on the bulletin. We're not going to take this up for bus ministry. But as many people know, Haiti has been suffering here since last weekend's earthquake and then uh, all the rain. So we're going to take up a special offering this morning for them. I'm going to read something that our church posted um, about Haiti. Um, it says the latest from Haiti. This was just a couple of days ago. The deluge of rain dumped on western Haiti by tropical depression grace compounded the difficulty of the recovery efforts following the recent 
massive earthquake. The search for survivors was delayed, and humanitarian groups were hindered. Global missions and the international offices have already sent an emergency relief offering of $10,000 because the need of our Church of God of Prophecy family is so immediate. We also know that this initial donation is just a drop in the bucket to what is needed to bring assistance to our families and others. We have a tremendous opportunity to minister to our brothers and sisters in crisis. We also have a wonderful opportunity to build the kingdom of God and express his love for the people of Haiti. So uh, if we could, we'll have a couple ushers come up. But this morning's offering as you give, um, that's what it will go towards. And unless you mark it on an envelope or on the check, um, 100% of it will go towards Haiti. And uh, we need to remember, remember them in our work. Um, as we continue, um, lift them up in your prayers, and uh, we will, uh, oh, if you're, if you're watching online, also you can give up at the give button, um, you can walk through it, one of the funds says other, you can put that in, and then you can type in where it goes, so you could type Haiti, and it will go towards that as well, but uh, um, let's continue to remember them, we'll try to continue to get some updates, it's um, getting it's a little difficult to be in contact people are really busy as you can imagine right now at the international office trying to work with them so uh but as we get information we'll continue to share it with them but um, obviously let's continue to pick them up in prayer and if you can give um, towards them at any time just feel free to do that and it will go towards that need so let's pray this morning god we come to you at this time lord and Thanking you for this opportunity, God, and um, that we have to give, Lord. And we know that you know the situation, Lord, with with all these people, God, down in in Haiti, Lord, and what they're going through, God, and um, the hundreds of thousands, Lord, who have um, been displaced, God, and no longer have homes. We're just praying that you would uh, be with them, help them, God, during this time, bring um, safety during chaos, Lord, God, and. Uh, just uh, help move on the hearts, Lord, of, of those who are able to give, God. We just pray that it would go um, towards uh, a ministry, Lord, of just showing your love, God, for others, Lord, and that um, what we can do, Lord, is just share you with them, God, during this time. We just pray that you would um, bless the resources, God, those the leadership and um, taking charge and making the connections, God, to help rebuild and rescue and everything that will take place lord we just pray that you give them um, direction and guidance during this time lord and um, that they will follow you and just a blessing in this offering here god and towards this ministry in your name we pray amen Let's all stand. We can take prayer requests. If anybody has any prayer requests they want to mention this morning, we'll pray for those needs. Millie? I have two young boys that really need our prayers. Okay. They need special help on Friday. Friday. Their name is Coda and Bubba. Coda. All right. Let's remember Coda and Bubba. All right. 
Lois? Okay. For you or for the kids or? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, let's remember Lois. What? Yeah, Molly. Okay, let's remember the family of the motorcycle victim and um, the lady at the 7-Eleven property. Anything else? Okay. All right, yes. Yes, let's remember the COVID. And okay. Pastor and his wife. All right. Let's remember them. Maybe. Unspoken. Does anyone else have unspoken? You can raise your hand. God knows. All right. Let's all pray. Oh. Yes. Another one. <laughs> all right. All right. The Mawson family, is that right? Kathy? Okay. Okay. All right, yes, let's remember um, Kathy. All right, let's all pray. God, we come to you at this time, Lord. God, thank you again, Lord, for being able to be here and meet together today, Lord. God, we know that you know each of these requests, God. You know each and every need, Lord, that was mentioned, God. And uh, we know, Lord, that you know each individual situation, God, with the uh, victim, Lord, there and the motorcycle accident, God, we're praying you're with the family there and uh, helping bring peace to them and their lives, God, and those around, Lord, that there'll be a time to minister, God, to share your love, Lord, and, uh, the lady at the 7-Eleven property, God, and her situation, the help that she needs, God, we're praying that you're with her and uh, just bringing opportunities um, about to her and her life at this time and the things that she's going through, Lord God, and um, with the individuals God Millie mentioned, God, and their situation, Lord, with their home in the fire, God, praying that you'll be with them at this time, God, and that you can help them um, just provide what they need at this time, Lord, and um, with this uh, Kathy, God, who was mentioned, Lord, we're praying that you're with, with her, helping to heal her, strengthen her, God, and watch over her at this time, we pray, Lord God, and, and um, uh, be 
with her in a special way, Lois, as she begins her job this week, God, that you would uh, just provide um, the strength, God, and direction that she needs to go through this time of change, Lord, we know that you will walk with her and uh, just help guide and lead her through this time, God, and the pastor and his wife, strengthen them, God, be with them, watch over them uh, as they follow you, God, help just to minister through them and bless them and help with this COVID, God, we know that you're in control in this situation, Lord, and we're just asking that your will be done, God, and that you would have your way in it and all things around it, all the unspoken requests, God, we know that you know each heart, and just praying that you'll uh, help to answer and direct in each situation, God, be the healer, Lord, and uh, those that don't know you, God, we pray that they would give their hearts and lives to you, God, and that you would... Um, just help to save them, God, at this time, Lord. And we just uh, thank you for being here this morning. In your name, amen.
whatever dream or plan we have to give up will be worth it all when we see him face to face.
Before I go to my presentation this morning, which I will add by the help of the Lord before I go, I would like to give emphasis to our Wednesday night gathering that we will have here at the local church. Of course, at 6.30 is our weekly prayer meeting, and we encourage you to come with this thought in mind that we're coming for prayer, believing the Lord for what he can and will do and presenting needs to one another in the presence of the Lord. Following that, this uh, lovely lady that was sitting at the musical instrument over here, I don't know, do, I, do you call that a piano or not? You don't know. Keyboard, okay. They didn't have keyboards in my day, I don't think. Uh, except when you came in the house, you put your key on a board, and that was it. <laughs> However, uh, on Wednesday nights, usually there's different presenters in Bible study, and our program's director takes care of that, and then she is the program director that is in charge of our Bible study this Wednesday night. And the thought occurred to me that, uh, you know, some people are just blessed and are able to fall into a lot of money along the way. And she could be one of those people that there will be somebody here at 7 o'clock presenting her with a million-dollar check. And in the event that that should happen, she would have her checkbook here to give the treasurer ties for that, and who knows, if you were in good standing with her, she might even bless you with a love offering for coming to the Bible study that she's going to be in charge of Wednesday night. Well, you just never know about these good things that is going to be happening. So, but nevertheless, don't make a mistake and stay home. Be here for our Wednesday night Bible study. Also, youth activities go on in the lower part of the uh, church as well. Uh, that is the basement area. And uh, you will be blessed if you fall into that age group as well. Now then, on another note that the Lord has just, just impressed upon me to mention to us today, and to have a special prayer for. We've received a couple times this week, I have received uh, one time by the prayer chain, I believe, and another source at another time. Most of you know uh, or remember the late Frank Dow, his wife, Anita. And uh, it's my understanding that she's back in the hospital in West Plains, but Rusty, their, one of their sons, and I guess it would be fair for me to say that he is a paralegal and he uh, has much difficulty. And I, I think Rusty, if I'm not mistaken, is somewhere in his 40s, 30s, higher, 50s. He, he's been this way, of course. 40, 46. 
56. Rusty, I've known him for a long time myself, but not as long as some of you have. And one of the things that I heard that Rusty was expressing was he wanted to go home. And obviously he, unless he's in his particular special chair, he can't go across the room by himself. And he's one of the sweetest young fellows that you'll ever meet. And I, it's just been impressed upon my heart to have prayer for him this morning. And uh, the whole family, of course. But Rusty in particular, that has been impressed upon me. And I wonder if the church would stand with me this morning. And let us take Rusty Dow, D-O-W, to the Lord in prayer for his well-being, for his comfort. Shall we? Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, I present to you, Rusty, this day. Lord, you know and understand everything concerning Rusty's situation. And I pray, O oh Lord, for his comfort, his well-being. Lord, the need that he has, you understand. And Lord, the comfort that he needs so much, you can provide. And I pray, O oh God, today for not only Rusty, but for his family. Help them, bless them, and give them the comfort that they need as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I do pray. Thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to help Rusty with. In Jesus' name, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Some of you who have known of the Dow family, Rusty in particular, have known for a much longer time than my wife and I have. But we did first meet Rusty when his dad pastored Fredericktown, Missouri, back many years ago. And uh, we would visit in the home from time to time when we were on the eastern side of Missouri, serving in those years as an overseer. So we do have an emotional connection to him, and I was truly thinking of him and desire, and I know that they appreciate the prayers for him as well. Last Sunday morning, I use as a sermon thought, we're in the house of God, the church house. And today my thought continues along the lines of the church. My slant, my desire in the Lord to say what the Lord wants me to say. And the title of this presentation today 
is his church, his force. And I'm going to reuse some scriptures that I ended with last Sunday to begin with this presentation this morning. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, and or one of the prophets. But Jesus, he said unto them, But whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there is a couple things that I would like to visit in the scriptures that I used last week that I did not close in on as such in the beginning of this presentation. And one is the name change. In this particular text of scripture, there is a change of name. Simon Peter or as the surname goes, Simon, son of Barjona, he is given a name change. We'll get into all of it, but just part of it at the moment. Jesus changed that and said that thou art Peter. Very interesting uh, note that I want to share with you in this particular setting of the scripture. Prior to other comments on this particular scripture, I would like for you to note that Jesus is setting up something that historically has changed the course of the world. And that is the fact that it is at this point in his ministry in which Jesus, coming into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he and his disciples, nearing the time that he would be approaching the cross, he would be approaching the resurrection, and he would be approaching the authority being given to God's people to carry on the work or the force of the church. One of the things that occurs in this change of names is the fact that Jesus indicates that 
Peter has received a clue, an insight, an understanding of whom is being talked to, and that is Jesus, the Son of God. What a what a scene this is taking place just in the surrounding events of these verses of Scripture. From the time of the name change of man, so the revelation of Jesus, the Son of God. Yes, indeed, there had been many instances that man had gave Jesus a name. Some of it was uh, Jeremiah, some of it was Isaiah, but Jesus was interested in not what man was saying or calling him, but he wanted to know if there was a full understanding of who Jesus was. And Simon Barjona, now we call him Peter, began to tell him that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a difference what man's interpretation was and what the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, gave to Peter on this particular day. And Jesus made a reference to something that is very important. When he said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, he said before that, he said, I want you to know that you are blessed because this is not a man ideology thing, but rather this is a God thing. This is a spirit thing that is happening right now, Peter. And because of this name change where he went from Simon Barjona to Peter, we go to the Greek and we learn just a little bit about the importance of what was being said. First of all, as his name becomes Peter, in the Greek, that simply means a fragment of a rock. And Jesus said to Peter, piece of rock, I want you to understand that upon this rock, not a piece of rock, but the rock in the Greek was referencing to an immovable boulder or mass of rock, nothing like the piece of rock. Now, there is one thing that that does dispel, first of all. It lets us know that Peter was not the rock that was being talked about in which the foundation of the church would be built. That Peter was not the foundation. He was not the head of the church. But what is being referenced is that the church belonged first to Christ and that Christ is the head of the church. That word rock means Petros, whereas before Peter's name represented Petra, that is a fragment of the rock. In Colossians 1 and 18, we find that the scripture is talking about the fact 
of who the head is. It's not Peter. It's not man's interpretation of what the church was to be like or how it had its beginning. But very simply put, we tie together the scriptures first from Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul described, and he is the head of the body. In other words, the church is Christ's body. The church who in the beginning, from the firstborn, from the dead, that in all things that he might have preeminence. Concerning the head, this was prophetically proclaimed, if you please, in Psalms 118, verse 22. And now let me say this about the book of Psalms. We, we sometimes think of it as a poetry book. And we think sometimes that it was mainly, well, it was mainly, but not totally written by the psalmist David, as we refer to him. But in this particular chapter and verse, we hear the words from the Holy Spirit of, or Holy Ghost of God that says concerning the head of the church, it says, the son which the builders refused is become the headstone or the corner. Jesus himself being the head. Jesus himself being the head of the body. And so we come to not only an understanding that the church, its head, is Jesus Christ, and as a result of that, it took a divine revelation which indeed takes a divine act of God by, by means of salvation coming into one's life to make a regress from the things of the world to a progress of things in the Lord and we become a part of the body of Christ. Oh, thank the Lord. Now, the church as a force. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, this is the emphasis that I wish to dwell on today. The force as it appears, remembering that Jesus is the head, remembering that those who are saved, remembering those who have been coveted together. In fact, I would just like to draw a parallel uh, on something. Last week I mentioned about the uh, ten virgins. Five were wise and five were not wise. The difference between the fives was that one group had the wisdom and had the oil for the lamp. The others were good people. They were nice, but they did not have the oil for the lamp. And in the end, the bridegroom said, uh, when they came knocking on the door wanting oil, he, the bridegroom says, not so. If you had had it, you could have been here, but you didn't have it. I noticed in the Sunday school lesson this morning in Daniel chapter, I believe it was chapter 12, verse 3, where it talked about that the wisdom of those that had the lights, that they were able to shine as the stars were. There were those that did not have it, but there were those that did have it. 
I would like for you to know today that there are those that have it and those that do not have it. And the distinction that is made in Ephesians chapter 2, 2, verses 20 to 22, that those that have it are built upon the foundation of the apologies, the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I think it's important for us to note how the Bible always goes back to the fact that Jesus is the head of the church. That Jesus is the one that is controlled. That is not man. It's not man's ideologies that are interpreted, but it's the ideas and spirit unctions that come from the Holy Ghost itself and directs God's people in whom, verse 21, all the building is fitly framed together, groweth into, unto a holy temple in the Lord. Folks, we do not build a church building for the purpose of satisfying our egos. We do not go out and do things for the purpose of saying how well we can do it or how big we can make it or how cosmetically great it can be. But we go as a force and it appears only as a representation of what thus saith the Lord Jesus Christ and by the direction of the Holy Ghost of God. Oh my goodness. The force as it appears. The church is the church. The church is his body. Jesus is the head of that body in whom those that have been coveted together in the name of the Lord, that all the building fitly framed together, rereading verse 21, that it grows together in a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are builded together for the habitation of God through His Spirit. Let me just stop there for just a moment. We have... You have a pastor, and I have those over me. We have those over us. And we have uh, things that we go by, and most of all, we have the Holy Word of God to go by. As a matter of fact, when we become joined unto the Lord and to His body, I love what our covenant, our our marriage vow uh, to the Lord and to the church is, which is... That, that we promise in the presence of God and the witnesses that are there that we will take this Bible as the Word of God, believe and practice its teachings, the New Testament, as our only rule of faith and government and discipline, and walk in the Holy Ghost light. As far, as far as for the covenant goes, the word Holy Ghost is not there, but, but it is implied that we walk in His light, in His direction. Oh, thank the Lord that there is a path for us to follow. And the path is written herein, and therein we are led by the Spirit of the Lord. The force is quite a thing. We find that sometimes that in this building 
that is called the church, sometimes it might just be loosely referred to as the church house. But it may be referred to as the church as a force as well. But I want you to understand that according to the authority of God, the church is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is to do the work of what thus intends the Lord God in his word says. And then being placed in it, builded together for an habitation of God through its spirit. I do not know where we would be today. We certainly must have the direction, the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. We must be people that are open and sincere to hearing what the Lord says. We cannot be in it for egotistical reasons. We cannot be in it for monetary reasons. We cannot be in it for any reason other than what the Lord wants us to do. Therefore, we must be doing the purpose of the church, fulfilling the force that he wants us to do. There is a need then for us to have that active, active ingredient for us to follow. We talk about revival, and certainly revival is on the menu. It has to be there for people to find it, their way to where the light of God is. I think about what the early church, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, those that are following other than the PowerPoint. I would like for us to realize that in the early church, which, by the way, did disappear, it hid because of man taking control. There was an attempt by a man by the name of Constantine. It's in your history. It's not hid from us. It's there. It's documented. Constantine, Mr. Constantine himself, he, he was the governor. He was the leader, the dictator of the country of Italy. Eventually it was to encompass many countries. And it was a power that existed in the world of that day, the days of the Apostle Paul, who himself said that after his departing that grievous wolves would enter in, not sparing the flock. And indeed they did. They were guided and coordinated by Constantine. And Constantine, he did something that he thought was the right thing and a lot of people thought he did. And that was the fact that he thought all the churches should be brought together as one. Not too much wrong with that idea, except that he was doing it in the name of Constantine and not in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, so there is a great barrier of, of uh, wrong that is existing there. But when Paul said what he did, it was about the year A.D. 60, 
A.D. 65. Sister Millie may remember those years, along with Bob back there, but anyway, it's been a long time ago. And because of what was happening, God's people at that time were doing good. In fact, according to Josephus, historian, in your in the history books, you can read about it, look it up. Josephus was quite a historian. He said that one half the known population of the world was a members of the body of Christ. It was a strong element, a strong force of that period of time. But as Paul indicated, that there was going to come a point in which all that was going to dissipate. It was going to be hidden. And of course, it, it was hidden for a number of years. It wasn't until Martin Luther came on the scene in the 1400s and began to realize that justification by faith was a biblical thing. It wasn't something that was man-made, but it was a biblical God thing. And I love now just jumping to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It talks about the power of God in the church. And I am talking about the church as a force. Yes, I'm talking about 4907 North Brighton Street here in Kansas City, Missouri. It has a zip code, but that part I never memorized because we don't have a mailbox. But we do have a place. And the Lord knows where we're at. And the Lord is probably wondering when we'll get to this part and when we'll get to this place as well. But this on the day prior to the day of Pentecost, when the church was to be endued with power from on heaven. Luke, one of the disciples, he was the writer of a good part of the book of Acts as well as the Apostle Paul. Luke wrote these words of Jesus before he was ascended into heaven. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, I would like to say this just as an insert into this message today, that we have different thoughts among some people about what the Holy Ghost is. Sometimes some people think the Holy Ghost, all it amounts to is somebody speaking in other tongues. But that is an indication that one may have the Holy Ghost. Some think, may think it is just for the purpose of laying hands upon somebody and casting the devil out. And all of us wish for that sometimes. And others think that it's for only for sinners to be prayed toward and that their sins be convicted of them and be drawn unto the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost serves all these offices, all these 
particular venues, if you please. And, that, and there's more. And that is not the reason that we even seek for the, God, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a comforter. The Holy Ghost is a guideline for us to lead us into all truth. The Holy Ghost is a part of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It is there that we must recognize the fact that in God's Son, we have the head of the church. And in the tribunal part of the Godhead, we have the Holy Ghost, which Jesus prayed that we would have for the purpose of carrying out his force in this world. And it shall, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You don't shake it off. And it's not necessarily a, a resemblance of a person shaking, although a lot of people do. You, many of you have, I have. But on the other hand, that's not the purpose of it. It's to serve the church and to serve the Godhead for it to do its purpose in this world. And I am steering us away from the fact that the, the church, its force, is just for us to count numbers. That's not it. That's not it. Although I can tell you right now that there probably will be numbers that we cannot even put in a computer unless we blew it up. When God's people find that power coming upon the body of Christ, but of which Jesus is the head, Jesus' prayer that Luke wrote down here in the first chapter of the book of Acts, 8th verse, that when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. You're not going to hide in the hills. You're not going to dig a hole and pull it in after you. That's not going to happen. That when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you're going to be mouthpieces. And you're going to be living witnesses, both in your conversation as well in your mindset. Not only in Jerusalem, he said, which is like the state that you live in. Judea is like the country. Samaria is like the continent and the uttermost part of the earth. I believe we had in our Sunday school lesson upstairs this morning about how that when the gospel goes out, the end is to all the world. The end is going to come to an end. We don't even have to be worried about the period. We better be more concerned about what goes before the period, the composition of the sentence, or the composition of our life in the Lord. There is going to come that time, Jesus said these words again, that the force is going to accomplish its purpose. There is going to be the time that the mission and its force will be accomplished. Matthew chapter 28, we read these beautiful words of what we used to, and I have myself referred to this as missionary 
scriptures. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, before I go beyond the scripture, the next one, you, you've got it there. You can read ahead and cheat if you want to. But uh, what I want to say to you first, though, this is one of the things that is going to be happening to you and I and all those that embody the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. We're going to be people that are reaching out to all nations. Yes, it does mean that the gospel of the kingdom shall go into all the world. But you know what? We probably have most of the world represented right here within 35 miles of this church. We probably do. Think That's scary, isn't it? There's some of them some people don't like. And others, they just wish they wasn't around. So they could just be you, me, and nobody else. But that's not what it's all about. The church has a mission. There will be a time that it will be accomplished. And the body is being spoke to by Jesus, who said, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. Oh my goodness, does it say that really? Not just things that sound good to us. Not things that just, you know, doesn't disturb our dandruff any, but things that disturb, things that need to correct people, things that need to change people inside and everywhere about their being, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen is written in the King James Version, meaning so be it. And so we have today the church as a force. The church as it appears to us today that if it's not representing the fact that Jesus is the head. If it's not indicating in its lifestyle and its mission that Jesus is a reason for all the seasons in the church, the force doing its purpose, that is laden with the power of God, propelled by the power of God, the church being a spoken oracle of the teachings of the Word of God. Folks, we never get away from the Bible. We never get away from what thus saith the Word. O Lord, help me to know that I, as a preacher, it doesn't matter that I've been preaching nearly all my life, 20 years at least, three or four times over. It doesn't matter. It's what I preach, and if I don't preach the Word, let me tell you something, I'm in trouble. I must preach the Word. I must stand upon the Word. So do you. You and I need to be.
be that force directed by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, going in the Spirit as a force. I want to say to this congregation today that we need more in our congregation. Not for numbers sake, but so that we can be a force. We need you to work hard. I don't, it doesn't matter to me that you got 10 jobs, as long as it doesn't matter to the Lord. It doesn't matter on the job amount or the type of job. What matters is the fact that we are following the direction of the Lord. Tommy, up here on the front row, I've always said about him, he aggravates us sometimes from one end to the other. Hello, aggravation. But the fact is, he is a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got a responsibility to talk right, walk right, and practice to the precepts of the Bible the right way. Now then, I picked on Tommy. I could have picked on Brother Everett, but if he had been here, he had been asleep. The fact is, we must realize that we are representatives by being in the body of Christ. And by being in the body of Christ, we are subject to the head of the body. And that we have a mission. We have a purpose. And one day, whether we have been a part of it or not, the mission is going to be accomplished. Now, think about those ten virgins. Five of them, that was ten. Half of ten is five. I don't know if those numbers symbolic is true or not. But the fact is, only five of them was able to go in with the bridegroom because they kept their lamps trimmed by having the oil that they needed. Will you keep this oil is symbolic of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Keep it trimmed, turned on. All thank the Lord. It's okay to go to a ball game. I I would love to go to the ball game, especially when the White Sox come in to destroy the Royals. I just love to. But anyway, all these things that we can do on the side for the good and clean and, uh, you know, that blesses us, give us relaxation, those are good things. But there is nothing that is going to take the place of a Holy Ghost purpose-driven church. Let us be a part of that. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank the Lord. I kind of feel like I've, I've cut a lot of hair on heads here this morning by the strength of some of the things that we've said. But in loving all of you and loving Jesus the head, let us as a body go forward to do more. Guided, driven by the Lord. Mm -hmm. Brother Craig, would you dismiss us in prayer?